no, no, hang on. This is not a good All right, cool. yes, fine. Ready? Welcome to the bite-sized edition of the Editor Roundtable podcast. Here on the Roundtable, we're dedicated to helping you become a better writer, following the StoryGrid method developed by Sean Coyne. In these episodes, we bring you some shorter solo articles and interviews on topics that interest us as writers. Hi there, this is Valerie Francis, and with me again is Leslie Watts. And today we're talking all about character development. So join us for a quick bite of writing insight, starting right now. A few weeks ago, we had a listener question about how to develop characters. Now, that's not a storytelling principle we've spent a lot of time talking about here on the podcast, or really any time talking about, but it's certainly something that I've studied in my own practice, and I know, Leslie, you have as well. One of the challenges we have here on the Roundtable podcast is that we have so much information each week that we're really working hard to keep our episodes under an hour. So that means that we have limited time to answer some of the great questions that come in from you guys. Because we don't touch on it very often, Leslie and I thought it would be a good idea to dive a little deeper into character development and create a bite-sized episode. The question is, how do we develop characters? Now, there's lots of character sheets floating around, right? Like oodles. Even there's one in Scrivener, if you use Scrivener for your writing. But those things are focused on the external and superficial aspects of character. And I, for one, believe that we need something new. We need a new character sheet. And as I was working on my novel, I found those old sheets that have been floating around, they really weren't helping me whatsoever. So I came up with something new. As a writer, that's how I came to this. Leslie, why do you think we need a new character sheet or a new approach for studying character? I think there's a lot of confusion about what a character is and what they're supposed to be doing and what's important to know going into writing your story and then also, of course, in revision. And that confusion means that we need clarity and a sheet like the one that you've created is a great way for us to focus on the topics, the questions that are most useful when it comes to character. Yeah. And the the first thing that I identified in a very practical sense, as I was trying to figure out who my main cast of characters are, the protagonist, obviously, and then by extension, the antagonist, and then the other people circling around them. So the the first thing that I came across was our old friend, Objects of Desire. And I, (laughs) I think, you know, how Sean says that genre is the first Thing that we need to figure out when we're discussing our story. Well, where I am right now, my working hypothesis in terms of character development is that the first thing we need to figure out when we're coming up with a new protagonist or a new any new character in our novels is what do they want and what do they need? Yes, absolutely. Because the thing about characters is that we can get caught up, as you say, in the external aspects that really aren't that important, that are almost fungible. But characters are about what they do. Characters are action. And what a character does isn't really related to their eye color or their favorite food or their favorite television show. 
we want to look at why do characters act? Why do they behave the way they do? And it's, of course, to get what they want and need. So this is incredibly useful and helps us make characters consistent throughout the story, make their behavior make sense, even if we don't always agree with what they're doing. And it's just, as I said, a useful tool. When I did the McKee seminar, he, this is a couple of years ago now, he talked about the difference between character and characterization. So I just want to share a couple of things from my notes from that seminar, because, you know, like I said before, I spent a fortune on this, so we might as well all benefit from it. <laughs> characterization, he says, is everything you can observe about the character, their age, their IQ, their sexuality, how they dress, their sense of humor, and so on. Like I've got a huge long list of this in my notes. It's who the character seems to be. Everything you can know by observation. And this is what the character sheets that I learned on, this is what they focused on. You know, like their astrological sign, where they work, who their sister is, and all that kind of stuff. Often it's a persona. I'm still reading from McKee's notes here. Often it's a persona and not a person. But he says, when characterization is done really well and with a lot of skill, it really adds to the development of the character. Now, character, he says, is expressed by choice under pressure. A character has to take action under pressure and they have to take a risk. So how they choose to act in that moment in the pursuit of their want reveals their character. So choice by choice, action by action, what a writer does is strip away the veneer of the characterization to reveal the character. Now, I'm going to keep reading because there's still some more nuggets of gold here. This was really interesting when I was going over my notes here for the podcast. We've talked before about here on the podcast, we study one principle of storytelling because you have to pull them apart in order to study them. Otherwise, it just gets too confusing. So it's an academic exercise to look at one thing at a time. But here in the seminar, McKee right away started to talk about progressive complications and characters. So he says, what writers need to do is build pressure progressively in the story so that the true character can be revealed in contrast or contradiction to the characterization. He says, your character can't be the same on the inside as the outside. Well, I mean, they can be, but that leads to a really boring character. Like there's no dimension there whatsoever. And it's going to be a really boring protagonist to read about. So they're different on the inside than they are on the outside. And just to illustrate this point, I want you to think for a moment about Facebook and how people present themselves on Facebook. That's their characterization. Everyone on Facebook is happily married. They all have children who are just the stars of their environment. They're all the optimal weight and they're all fit and their hair always is done well and their makeup always looks good and they're always celebrating something. Well, that's the characterization. That's the stuff that the character's choices is going to start stripping away. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you got me thinking about how characterization, the way that we choose characterization shouldn't be at random, but more about how it's relevant to what the characters do. Okay, so the person who puts up this idealized external 
image on Facebook, which is contrary to what's really going on for them, that's demonstrating what they value, what they want. And also, I think, as you're saying, it reveals what they need. Oh, absolutely. When I was developing my core cast for Immortal, I came up with what they want and what they need. But then I thought, who is this person? I have to take a person and plunk them into this situation. The choices a person is going to make to get what they want is going to be different depending on who this person is on the inside, what their character actually is. Think about Breaking Bad and Walter White. He's a totally different character as opposed to his characterization when we meet him initially in the in the pilot episode. I just rewatched the pilot and in the first couple of minutes, we see him exercising. He gets up in the morning and he goes into his little room and does his sad little exercises. And he's looking at a framed piece of paper on the wall and they zoom in on it and it's his Nobel Prize. I, I miss that. I totally yeah. missed it. I only picked it up on re-watching it. And I thought, well, there is the, the key right there to Walter White. He is a Nobel Prize winning chemist. What the heck is he doing teaching high school chemistry? Wow. That's a great detail. Right? So suddenly his whole... Now, if you haven't seen Breaking Bad, then really as soon as you finish listening to this podcast, go watch it. Because even if it's not your style of story, there are so many writing lessons to be learned from Breaking Bad and from Vince Gilligan and Peter Gould and the rest of the writers on that team. It, and I, yeah, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. At the end of season four, the beginning of season five, we think that he's all safe. And yet he goes right back into the criminal world. And you're sitting there thinking, why would he do this? And Jesse cannot understand why in the name of all that is sane, he would ever choose to go back into that world when they were out, when they were, they thought safe. The key is the fact that he's a Nobel prize winning chemist. That's who he is. So his choice, what does he want? His object of desire is to have the world recognize his talents. He needs third-party validation. That's who he is internally and what he wants internally. That drives that decision to go back in and build an empire as a drug lord. This is so great, Valerie, because this is exactly what I'm talking about in terms of making the character consistent and make sense. So even though it's not a choice that you or I would make, <laughs> it is a choice that makes sense given who he actually is, given what he wants and what he needs. And that is the key to creating that consistency across a story or across a series. So when we talk about objects of desire, it's obviously the well, obvious to you and I, but I'm going to repeat it anyway, because if someone is coming across this episode for the first time, they might not know what an object of desire is. What we mean is what the character is consciously aware of that they want, an external want, and something that they need internally, but aren't aware that they need. One way that I look at it, the, the conscious want is sort of easy to figure out because it's external in the world and we can observe it, right? And we as we go through our lives as humans, want certain things, right? We want a good meal. We want more money in the bank. We want to be more fit or whatever. Sometimes we just want sleep. So, <laughs> that's right. Sometimes we just want sleep. But in order to achieve those goals, 
we have to shift something internally. That's the key to getting the object of desire and keeping it. Because if you think about the hero's journey, the hero will get their object of desire at some point in the story only to lose it again. Why? Because the internal shift hasn't happened necessarily in the character yet. Mm -hmm. So they get it and they can only hold on to it for a very short period of time because they haven't yet become the person who can hold on to that thing for a long period. So they have to be tested again. So there's what they are consciously aware of that they want. There's what they are not aware of that they need, how they need to change internally. And then that internal need, the way I look at it, becomes a why, right? You know, that came talks about the big meta why. Oh, yeah. Well, why do they want these things? Why do they need these things? What are your thoughts on the big meta why, as Kim puts it? When I think about the wants, I think about the desire and goal that arise from the inciting incident. The protagonist is going on along, living their life, doing fine, and then an unexpected event or fear arises. And when that happens, they have a desire and goal. And that might be just to make things go back to the way they were before, but sometimes that's not possible. So that's that conscious objective want. What they need to me is more complicated because it can be what it will take to make that happen. So an example of this is Wonder Woman wants to defeat Mars. That's her external want. But she needs to realize she can't use anger to do that. So it's what she needs to figure out to make her want happen. But sometimes what the character needs is to change their goal to something more reasonable. So for example, Rocky, there's no way he's going to be able to beat Apollo Creed, but he can go the distance. So if he adjusts his goal, adjusts what he wants, then that gives him what he needs. So we've talked about their objects of desire, what they are. We've talked a little bit about why they need these things or why they want these things. The other part of objects of desire that we have to consider is what is standing in the way of the character getting these things? In other words, what forces of antagonism are pushing against the character, the protagonist, and getting in the way of them getting what they want and they need? Now, I'm studying forces of antagonism this season, and I'm really, a whole book can be written about this easily, easily. Here's what I'm starting to see already, and I've only just scratched the surface. It's the force of antagonism who is really the driving force that, I mean, it gets in the way of the character, yes, but ultimately it enables the character to succeed because it's the force of antagonism that knocks the protagonist out of homeostasis and forces her to grow and change and become a different character to get what they want. Or as McKee says, it's the force of antagonism that forces the external characterization to be stripped away so the character can be her authentic self. And only in becoming that authentic self, revealing the authentic self, can the character ultimately succeed. Yeah, it's my favorite way to look at stories because of the way that it's, you know, something bad ultimately helps you change for the better. And I think that's really important. 
because people don't like to change, even if it's for the better. But when you have an opposing force that wants something and is determined, it means that the story can't end until someone or something changes. And since the force of antagonism isn't usually that reasonable, it's usually left to the protagonist to do that changing, to grow up, to see the world differently, to to discover what it is they need and be willing to risk what they want for that. I mean, that's what the whole beginning hook is about and really into the middle build as well. You've got a protagonist who is going along in her life. Things are happening as they always happen. You've got the ordinary world. Then something happens to knock her off balance. And what does she spend the whole beginning hook doing? Trying to put it back to the way it was before that inciting incident. She wants homeostasis again. Now you get to the end of the beginning hook and you start to transition into that middle build, well, she realizes that she can't go back to the way it was. She's got to go on a journey. And then the middle build is all about her using all the tricks up her sleeve to deal with all the obstacles that's coming at her, dealing with those in a way that she is familiar with. And she's still going after her object of desire, right? Her conscious want, which is... (laughs) often to go back to the way things were before the inciting incident, some version of that. And then they hit this all as lost moment when they realize, as we would say here in Newfoundland, the arse is out of her. That's it. (laughs) Like it's never going, it's done. You cannot turn back time. You cannot go back to the way it was. And you just kind of sit there and think, well, now what am I going to do? Well, now what you have to do is change something within so that you can get back on your feet and keep going. So what we've got then is a character who is at the beginning of the story, believing in their own characterization, right? And leaning on their authority at their job or leaning on the fact that they are the best dressed in their circle or leaning on the fact that they have a great car or what, or they're the smartest person in the room. They're leaning on those characterization traits and one by one, the force of antagonism knocks those things down. Yeah, you're smart, but guess what? That's not going to cut it this time. You got to come up with a new way of dealing with this. Yeah, you got lots of money, but guess what? The money's not going to help you this time. That kind of stuff so that all these superficial stuff, they start getting stripped away to reveal who that character is underneath. I don't have my thoughts fully put together on this, but what you're saying reminds me of the way that it's about the mask we're wearing in the beginning and we're not aware of what we need and that exactly that that the force of antagonism strips away all these things that aren't really who we are so that you know when we get to that all is lost moment the character really has to decide who am i which reminds me of the martian right who are we are we the astronauts who left their crew member behind or are we the astronauts who went back and saved him I love those moments in stories, and I think the way you've described it is just a perfect way to understand this. Awesome. Hooray. (laughs) Okay. To wind up each episode, we like to focus on a few key takeaways. 
my key takeaway from going a little deeper into this is that there's a huge difference between the character and the characterization. Both of them have a function, but if we're not careful, we can fall into the trap of only focusing on the characterization, that is the external observable facts of the person we're writing about. To create a fully formed character then, we need to remember that character is revealed through action and that action is motivated by the objects of desire. A character will make decisions and behave in certain ways because of what they want and need. And for me today, my big takeaway is the way that the force of antagonism operates to help the protagonist become who they're meant to be. And I think that's such an interesting way of looking at the story and the action and what we're trying to create in a story that it's a really powerful way to look at it. So that wraps it up for this week. You can find links and additional material in the show notes at storygrid.com. To get a copy of the full character sheet, sign up to Valerie's inner circle at valeriefrancis.ca slash inner circle, or connect with me at writership.com. Today, we've focused on the theory of objects of desire in character development, but on the Unpodcast, a new project we're starting, we'll go further and apply these principles to a story so you can see how they really work. And you can access those episodes in the same location at valeriefrancis.ca slash inner circle or at writership.com. To support the Roundtable podcast, leave us a rating and review and tell your writer friends about us. Join us next week for another episode in which we'll all deepen our knowledge of story and level up our craft. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.